I think I had what might qualify as one of the worst dreams of all time. Okay, I'm and ready. I'm fully aware of how uninteresting and boring someone talking about their dreams is, but I feel like this qualifies number one because it's very short. It is a one sentence dream, and number two because it's not like I'm not like going to like start talking about my teeth and you know self esteem issues and all what that. What could it mean? Bullshit, right? So <laughs> this happened over the weekend, and I didn't even know it was a dream until like the middle of the next day, right? I had a dream that the YouTube iOS app got a redesign. <laughs> that was literally <laughs> the extent iOS. of my dream. I'm trying to remember in my mind, so I'm I'm picturing it's a, right now it's a red box or it's white. It's white. Red, it's white with red lettering. YouTube, mm, right? But the actual app itself, like the way it looks when you open it up, and oh. I didn't even know it was a dream until, and I'm not even convinced fully that it was a dream. I'm still kind of thinking that maybe there was like some sort of like mix up with YouTube's APIs or something like that. Like I so I'm the next day I open the YouTube app and it looks like the normal YouTube app and I was like, "Wait a minute, I thought this was <laughs> I thought they redesigned this." And so I went to the App Store. There's no updates for it. And so my only conclusion is that it was a dream. Right? And it's kind of like what a waste. Right? Yeah. I would have rather had no dream at all than to have a dream that the YouTube app got an update. And what a dream to remember. Exactly. Like, think about all the th- dreams you forget, the great ideas you have in your dreams that you can't remember. Oh, I have those. And I will never forget. Now, mainly <laughs> because dream. it's recorded, I will never forget the dream I had about an iOS app getting When you're an in update. your early 30s. And I was frustrated because I then had to relearn the language of the app. You know what I mean? It's like, I know how to use it now. And this update was so drastic that it was like, I was like, man, now I have to learn this whole thing again. Now I have to figure out where everything else is at again. That's the dream of like a 76-year-old man <laughs> who has like technophobia and is terrified of having to like reset his clock on his VCR. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the dream that I that I lived half my life believing was real? Mm-mm. I, in college... I was telling, um, you know, we'd always tell stories about what was, you know, what we've lived through. Right. And I had this go-to story about outrunning a tornado mm-hmm. in a car with my parents driving up to visit my grandfather. And we were driving through Georgia. Oh, and okay. I remember this tornado coming. I remember my dad pulling off to the side of the road underneath a bridge. I remember us running up into that little corner of bridge under bridges i remember other families being up there i remember them being terrified i remember the tornado passing over us mm-hmm. and not until i brought uh my girlfriend who's now my wife home with me and she was fact checking all of my stories with my parents did we get to that story my dad was like i don't remember that at all mm-hmm. and in my defense i realized it was a dream mm-hmm. that i had like a really vivid dream that I grew up thinking was real. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at least <laughs> mine was about a tornado. Yours is exciting in some way. <laughs> about a YouTube app redesign. Yeah. <laughs> it was powerful. It you was powerful it enough for me day. to remember. But that was the thing. I didn't even remember it. I didn't <laughs> wake up thinking about the app. It wasn't even until the middle of the day when I opened the app to look at something and it looked like the regular app. That I was like, wait a minute, what happened to the, what happened to the redesign? But you use YouTube a lot though, right? Yeah. I mean, at least it's something that you use a lot. It wasn't sure. like, you don't use it and then your brain randomly. But even then it's still such a waste. It, it just is, is like, why? It just, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of like farting in public. 
know what I mean? It's like my brain was just like, you know what? I've got this in here, and I don't care who else is around. I'm just getting rid of it. You know I, I think mean? I think <laughs> you've been you've been dwelling on this for a while. Maybe you've been holding this in for a while, and it's time to just let it go. I think you've used farting in public as like four other metaphors <laughs> on this. It's on my this go-to. Show. It's your go-to. <laughs> Everything in the end is kind of like farting in public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this is everything is interesting. Except uh, for Justin's some, dreams. Some, some may say the podcast that's like farting in public. <laughs> right? We're, we're holding it all in. We're letting <laughs> it out. Right. Exactly. Uh, I'm Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. And I had a bit of a busy week. You know, we, we went out of town. All of us oh, okay. went out of town this weekend. So I didn't really have much... Uh, to do. I didn't do much, I should say. So I'm really only going to be talking about the... I finally finished the Southern Reach trilogy, and I have a handful of thoughts on that. I'm not happy with it. <laughs> oh, no. And I did watch... What did I watch? I watched... I guess the only other thing I really watched was I watched the first episode of Daredevil. Because you so said you watched. Oh, you've only seen the first episode? Uh, yes. Okay. So we'll talk about that. What else have you, what have you watched? What else have, do you want to talk about? Uh, so I guess we can talk about the Game of Thrones premiere, which I watched, which you did not. Do, yeah, you don't watch. I don't period. watch, right. Uh, I've also watched Mad Men. That's back on. Mm-hmm. I'll join you in Daredevil. Is Mad Men back on? It seems like. That show, it seems like for a long time it was like Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Mad Men. And then since Breaking Bad has been off, I haven't heard anybody talking about Mad Men. Has it just been off since then? And it's just now yeah. coming back? Yeah, it's been off for a year. Mm. And and finally, in terms of watching, I guess I want to wrap up Better Call Saul, uh-huh. which the season ended almost like two weeks now, but stuck with me and there's something I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's mainly what I'll be talking about okay oh and i've been reading sex criminals Mm -hmm. a new graphic novel Mm -hmm. uh that maybe i could talk a little bit about and i have a recommendation for you okay great uh so we'll take a a quick break and then we will come back with uh we'll talk about daredevil Netflix uh, is Netflix cre- uh, made Daredevil right in partnership with Marvel, of course. Which Marvel, I think, is turning into like a. They're, I think they're not too far removed from like an evil, <laughs> overlord corporation, right? Evil. Yes, mm. because eventually all of those corporations that get big enough become evil. There's not one good one you can name. So basically, Marvel is turning into its own Everything. villain. Yeah, that yeah, they've yeah. written about a right. million times before. Yeah. I think so. I don't have anything to back that up. It's just as the feeling I get, because it's like it just seems like it's become like a. I don't know. It just seems. It just seems. I guess it's not weird how much control they demand. I guess that's somewhat admirable. Yeah, but at the same time. Who is asking for all that control, right? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's the premise of every comic book villain ever. Well, yeah, that's what I'm kind of getting to. I think you should write a comic book where you vaguely disguise your villain as Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) And you can write yourself as the superhero. Sure. So So Netflix is doing Daredevil, and you watched it, and you said you liked it, right? I did. And I saw... Well... Okay. Yep, I did. Yeah, I saw a lot of people writing like uh, Daredevil is great. This is why Daredevil is great. 
Daredevil is so different from everything else Marvel's doing, and it's great. And I hadn't really watched anything else besides another episode of Bloodline. Uh, so I decided to so I decided to watch the first episode of Daredevil. So um, I'll just go ahead and say, because I think it's assumed or should be assumed if you know you me well enough, it. I didn't like it. <laughs> so why don't you talk about why you did like it? Well, let's let's get this out of the way first. Um, Foggy is one of the worst actors. That's what's his name from Mighty Ducks too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's terrible. In Fulton this. Reed. I've I out of the whole episode did not hear one word I believed out of his mouth. Well, his name is also Foggy Nelson. It's such right. a bad name. Well, it's a bad name. And also, he's trying to do the, like, quippy, cool guy, you know, like... Uh, well, that's how I felt about the entire episode. Oh, gosh. he He's insufferable. And I feel bad because you can... He obviously hasn't been, you know, on anyone's speed dial since Mighty Ducks. And so you feel like, hey, this is your big chance. And you can... I almost kind of feel the desperation mm-hmm. in every line where he's like, I don't understand how to say these lines, you know, mm-hmm. but he's still just trying. He's yeah. just th- throwing himself at, at this part. And uh, so let's get out of the way that he's terrible. Now, what did I like about it? Almost everything else. I mean, I like the main character. I like Daredevil. I think he's played... Mm-hmm. Pretty well. Mm-hmm. And you can see there's evidence of how not to play him well in Ben Affleck in the film version. So wasn't there also another TV series or am I thinking of something uh, else? Um, maybe. I might be thinking of like The Flash or something. Yeah. So I think I think he does a really good job. And I think all the actors around Foggy do a good job. And I think it feels like a comic book, which I enjoy um so it has these it kind of moves like like each scene to me you can see the panel storyboard that they were probably writing up with you know drawing up with the shot Mm -hmm. like in the interrogation room when they're talking to uh their client Mm -hmm. there's like a shot of them through the two-way mirror and it's just like a nice framing and nice lighting and i just I get the sense of like they're they're going for this comic book style mm-hmm. that they pull off well. Um, the action scenes are interesting. Don't look too close. You'll definitely see, you know, the uh, pulled punches, mm-hmm. but it works. And I think it's an interesting storyline um, where they're taking you know your kind of standard you know, comic book tropes and playing with them a little bit. And, uh, and I'm interested by it. I guess, well, I guess my, and I know that I'm speaking a little out of school on this, but I don't like, I don't like superheroes. I don't like superhero comics. And I really don't like, superhero movies like they're just not my thing so this show is basically designed for me not Not to like like. it which i didn't um so that's part of it and i know i probably shouldn't even be talking about it because i knew it wasn't something i was going to like but i just feel like I, it just it it bugs me first of all that these comic book movies are getting so much of our mind share now or these comic book properties I should say there's an endless amount of movies there's now multiple TV shows and it's like them releasing their film schedule for the next 10 years is major news it just is like I, it, what really what really bugs me about it is about let, let's say let's stick with Daredevil. The problem I have with it is, you know, Daredevil is setting itself in a more realistic, you know, dark, quote unquote, gritty universe. You know, 
not unlike the Batman movies, which I read a thing on Vox that says, you know, that was talking about how this is more of an homage to Frank Miller than it is anything, which fine. But the problem is you're introducing or you're exploring these real world issues, these scary real world issues. And the solution is a guy with mutant powers beats everybody up. It's like, that's not a solution. You know what I mean? Like imagine the second season of the wire and instead of McNulty showing up to a container full of dead prostitutes, a guy with superpower shows up and beats everybody up and runs away. <laughs> and that's the solution. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, but I imagine it handles it better just because it's more fantastical than it is like, like, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to, see, I don't want to see a superhero defend a woman who's been, you know, raped or almost murdered because that's like a terrible thing that happens in the real world. And the solution is not for people with superhero powers to stop it from happening. See, but, but you're not dealing with Daredevil as a television show produced by Marvel and Netflix. You're dealing with the philosophical implications of, comic book storytelling but i'm but what i'm saying is that contradiction is so unsettling for me it's so goofy that it makes the show unwatchable (laughs) i mean okay it's like you have you have a scene with gangsters who are beating women who just got out of shipping containers that it's shot brutally and it's supposed to be shot realistically and then it's resolved by a guy showing up with a t-shirt sleeve wrapped around his head beating everybody up because he can hear the sound of their movements and then telling them to hit the road so they can be safe i mean like i I can't watch that and then be like cool action sequence well okay can i just say that when i see that what i see is you know these women yeah being brutalized and then a guy coming in and the filmmaking being done really well to show us how what he hears impacts the decisions he makes in the fight scene. And I, I find that as a filmmaking technique, interesting. So I, you know what I mean? I just feel like it's, it's about your approach. And if your approach stops at that's a shirt sleeve pulled over his head. (laughs) And this is a guy doing over the top karate uh, to defeat these people, um, and this is ridiculous. You're right, but then you're also not accessing it, uh, you know, as it's being presented to you, which is, hey, look how we took, you know, the constraints of this character and filmed it in such a way to make it interesting and and exciting, you know. And you're like, oh, they did do a good job. It's a that's a well choreographed and shot fight scene. But can't you, couldn't you make that argument for anything? Couldn't you watch the room and approach somebody who thought it was stupid and be like, well, you're not you're not viewing it. How is it intended to be viewed? Uh, Well, I think it's slightly different because because you're you're approaching it from a philosophical level. Like if somebody was if I came at the room and was like, this is all absolutely silly and not silly, funny and silly, stupid. Somebody else could say. Uh, you're not approaching it from the right way. It is actually silly, fun, and this is why, right? Because you're having a philosophical. But I'm not approaching about- it in a phil. I'm approaching it in a real. I'm approaching it on the on the realistic base basis that it's presenting itself. It's presenting a realistic world. This is what happens in the real world. This is how terrible people act in the real world. This is these are the terrible things that happen to people in the real world, and our solution is a blind guy that can hear everything See, but, and beat them up. But, okay, all you have to do is just reverse that a little bit and say, we have a character here who's blind, who has super abilities, and we want him to interact in the real world and to you know, fight crime or for justice. And, again, this is the first episode, right? So we don't know the arc of sure. this, okay? But we want him to... It, it, 
interact with his environment in some way. And then they come up with the story, right? So you're you're saying they're starting with a premise of, hey, we're we're telling a story of women who are abused and shipped in, in shipping containers. And it's like, no, that's an aspect of a story that they're telling, but that's not the story that then they say, hmm, how are we going to help these women? Let's invent a blind guy who's also a lawyer to come in and kick everyone's butt, you know? It's they're, they're approaching from the other way. They have the character first, and then they're now putting that character in situation. So I think you would be upset with that character. He could be a chef in a nonviolent show, and you would be like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to watch a show with a blind guy who makes great food, you know, because his super senses. Because it's it's an inherently silly premise to you that he's blind and can function at a superhero level period well no that's not my problem because like i said with guard it seems like it makes sense to me in guardians of the galaxy yeah, because, because it's, it's fantastical. a fantastical world and all the combatants are you're not taking uh i mean i guess it does work with batman because he doesn't have superpowers right but it's still i mean that's a whole nother issue but with Guardians of the Galaxy, I assume they have powers, right? I mean, there's a talking tree. I like right? how you're assuming, yes. <laughs> but it takes place in space, and there's just there's all this crazy stuff that happens, right? Yeah, but I mean, even in Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm trying to think. I mean, it 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 has some um, elements in it that are, I think, trying to speak to some real world issues sure. in a fantastical way. Sure. So, I mean, what, why why can't you have the character of Daredevil deal with any storyline that involves harm to women or, or the sex I'm not, trade? I'm not... I, look, I the only reason I'm talking about harm to women is because that's what's in the first episode. Right. I'm but, not singling that out. That's what's in the first episode. But you're saying that that's, that's your main problem is that they have a real world scenario right and their decision and the solution the solution the solution is that a guy with superpowers beats everybody up but it's not the solution it could be it could be a a bunch of nerds getting picked on in high school and a superhero shows up and beats up the bullies okay yeah but but i mean they have this they have the character first is just what i'm saying so the fact that they put him in any situation i would rather watch a blind lawyer figure out the case than a guy with superpowers well i think you'd be the only one watching that show i think that's the that's problem not, that's not true have you seen what's on tv <laughs> i think i don't think that as a marvel property they could sell a character called daredevil who <laughs> like fantastically solves law cases and doesn't actually beat anybody up. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just, that's what I'm saying. I'm totally unqualified to talk about the show. Yeah. Because I don't like any of this stuff. I think you've, proved but that's your, why it bothers your, me. Your unqualifications. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's move on. Impressive. then. Unless you have anything else to say about the stunning debut of daredevil. No, the, the quicker we move on, the better. <laughs> All right. All right. So what have, what else have you been watching? Non-superhero based, preferably. Right. Well, hey, if you are looking for a more kind of realistic, less sensationalistic show, you should get on Mad Men. I don't know. Uh, did you I ever try? We watched, I think we watched a couple episodes of the first season. Well, now if you want to see a man who's gotten to the end of his kind of and this is the final season right yep hedonistic rope and it's like a this half season mm-hmm. yeah and it's and it's one of those things where you know you divide the the last season of a tv show where i'm like is this the new division of a movie but that haven't they done that with the past couple seasons of Mad Men, or is it just the last season no it it's just the last season it can feel like that because I think you're just conflating that with like, because they did that with Breaking Bad. It's right. Like, and they've been doing it on Walking Dead. Yeah. And on like Walking Dead. I feel like, is this the new yeah. kind of uh, Harry Potter final film it's the, into it's installments? It's the new, let's break this up into trilogy, into a trilogy so we can make more money off of it. Or it's, we want to cut this show and let's give them a half final season mm-hmm. to get everything figured out. I mm-hmm. think there's two sides to that coin. 
and I, I guess with Mad Men, with how long it's been on, it is kind of a, I guess it's milk this for mm-hmm. a little bit is what I'm guessing. If not, the the most amazing thing to me is how Mad Men will lead in and like end with celebrities being interviewed about Mad Men. <laughs> you should watch it just for that. All I remember is watching David O. Russell appear on my screen like after the last episode. And he's like, what I love about Mad Men are the <laughs> set dressings. And it's wow. just so period appropriate. And I'm like, who's I who and why are these celebrities like Mad Men, sure. Let's interview me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should watch the non-cross-promotional, just the inclusion of random celebrities talking about Mad Men. But um, I've I've been a fan of the show since season one, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I'm I guess I'm somebody who doesn't have a problem really watching an entire series or show and then really nailing down my feelings on it. Like some people, I feel like they go from moment to moment. Like they're so invested. They're like, you know, for five minutes, first five minutes, I hated this episode and the next five minutes were good. And you know, and mm-hmm. I don't understand how people can go so up. And so for me, it's like, what's Don doing? It's like, nobody knows what Don's doing. Watch the show. <laughs> right. It's, it will, it's almost over. So there's no sense in complaining about where the characters are and what they're doing. Like everything's been shot, you know, it's the same way I felt about lost. It's like, just watch the show. Who cares if one episode is good or fits with the, uh, um, mythology, right? Just watch the show. And if you enjoy it, keep watching. And if not watch something else like you, (laughs) uh, if you can find anything on TV to actually watch that you like. Uh So yeah, I've been watching, um, Mad Men and this final season, I think, is on par with everything that's come before. Mm-hmm. Hasn't blown my socks off or anything. That's you have good. high hopes for the ending. I do. Uh, I have the same kind of. I mean, Matt Weiner is uh, has worked on great shows before that have had good endings, mm-hmm. and I have. I just have faith that they're going to pull it off. But also, even if I didn't, what, what am I basing that off? Does of? it seem to be, but does it seem to be like leading to a definitive conclusion or is it, does it, is it more of like a uh, Sopranos type feel where it feels like it could just sort of end? Where did it's you not, watch the Sopranos? I didn't, Okay, but where it's not like necessarily the end of the story as much as it's just the end of the show. Yeah. See, I love the end of Sopranos. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I will take either one is fine with me mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm fine with, I mean, he's given us great characters. So however he ends it, you know, Don Draper will either be dead or he'll be alive. He'll be miserable or he'll be somewhat happy. I don't think he can be fully redeemed at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but did you I'm think intrigued. Walter White could be f- fully redeemed? Do you think he was fully redeemed? I actually do feel that he was fully See? redeemed. But I, ooh, Good segue. That leads me into Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. So I also finished up the first season of Better Call Saul. And I have a unifying theory about the moral universe of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul because mm-hmm. it's in the same universe. Which is that they live in a um, theistic kind of paradigm. So there's a god, but he is kind of uh, capricious. He's he He kind of... He's a god who likes to toy around mm-hmm. with people. And Walter White was one of them. And I think the reason why Walter White was redeemed at the end and why I believe it mm-hmm. is because I believe he was living in a theistic universe where God was actually directing his path so he could get his ultimate redemption. So God directed him to be a meth dealer? I actually think that in... Walter Walter White had a decision in his decision to deal meth. I think uh, God provided ways for him to access redemption from that. So whether or not he he kind of forced Walter White down that path or not, uh-huh. once Walter White was there, he created a way for Walter White to find redemption. Saul Goodman, uh-huh. who is soon to be... Um, well, actually, yeah, he's he's not Saul Goodman yet. Um, I mean, he's Saul Goodman, right? He's Saul Goodman, but he's not. Right. No, okay. His name is not Saul Goodman. What is his name? 
Oh, um, he changes his name? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, he's Jimmy McGill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when the first time it came on, it was like, this is Jimmy McGill, where you're like, what? That's <laughs> no. Saul Goodman. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's the thing. The, the show never plays Saul Goodman as a, what? I'm watching Crazy Saul. Like, mm-hmm. in his early years, it, it takes it really seriously. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, shows, especially in the finale, which I would highly recommend, um, for anybody who's like not sure about, watch the episode with Mike Ehrmantraut. I think it's like the third or fourth episode of the season. You can't watch the third if you haven't watched the rest, though. No, you can watch that. Oh, come on. You can't do that. Because it deals with that character specifically. And if that does not hook you, then TV is not for you. Go find another medium. Um, But I don't think you can do that. You can't watch them out of order. I mean, not only that, it's only the third episode. Right. But so watch the first two and then watch the third one. Well, would you watch three or four episodes of Better Call Saul? How long are the episodes? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So for the person But I'll tell you there, right now, I would absolutely not watch the third one by itself without watching the first two. Well, this is for the recommendation of somebody who's half like you. Somebody who, when they hear three or four hours of TV, they go, nope. Are they an hour long, the episodes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, no minus thanks. minus commercial break, so 40 well, minutes. it's not too bad, but I have a hard enough time watching all of Bloodline. You have a hard <laughs> enough time I really watching like that anything. Show. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, wa- watch that if if you're like, well, I'm not watching three or four episodes. Just watch the Mike Ehrmantraut episode. And then the final... The, the, Is the Mike f- Ehrmantraut um, the hitman or whatever he is? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and then... Um, He's like he's like the the protection, mm-hmm. um, and then if you have questions about my unifying theory of them existing in theistic worldview, get to the season finale where uh, Jimmy McGill is playing bingo mm-hmm. for some senior citizens and pulls B like balls with the letter B on it mm-hmm. like eight times in a row. And it sets off a complete meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is why that's basically my theistic argument for mm-hmm. for uh, the universe of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. It's a great show. I haven't heard much about it, to be honest. It's a gr- it's it's really great because it doesn't go for the uh, for the jokes, mm-hmm. the yucks. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, unlike Breaking Bad, which was just a regular yuck fest, yuck right? Yuck fest, exactly. Um, and then the last show I've been watching is Game of Thrones. Oh, right. Which this is, I'm, I'm going to use the next few seconds to try and convince you to watch this season out after, of order. No, after, let me preempt you. <laughs> after trying to painfully get through the fifth book, I have burned all bridges to Game of Thrones. I will never invest anything in Game of Thrones ever. Outside of 10 minutes to read the Wikipedia Wikipedia pages once the series is over so I know what (laughs) happens to everybody, that is the extent of my Game of Thrones future. All those hours wasted. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you think they're wasted? Absolutely. I absolutely agree. Wasted. Hours those books are thousands of pages long, and I can't bring myself. I painted the inside of a house for like 40 hours a few months ago, and I couldn't bring myself to listen to all of that fifth book. Well, anyway, I I love Game of Thrones. and I did too at one point. And I love the book series. I've read them all. I actually like book five. <sighs> okay. I just couldn't, wasn't great. I couldn't take it. Um, but you know, I feel like this season um, has one of my favorite shots in it. Favorite scenes of all time, like two minutes in, mm-hmm. which maybe you can stomach two minutes <laughs> to watch Tyrion say something and then immediately throw up. <laughs> and oh, I is, saw the gif. Oh, you saw the gif. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's great and then he keeps drinking right and then he keeps drinking yeah i saw that i don't even care about the, the drinking gift. i just loved the 
what he said and then leading immediately <laughs> into its vomit. Uh-huh. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. And so season five is supposed to be different from the books though, right? Exactly, which is why which is why I would love for you to rebuild one bridge and you know everything that's happened up to this point. It's all followed the book pretty closely, and now they're going off book, and this would be the this would be the season to jump in and kind of wrap I up couldn't do it, yeah. and move on. Because I'd have to then go watch seasons two, three, and four just to Why catch up. Why would you up. have to? Because uh, you can't just watch, start watching the fifth season of something. You've read the books. So? Up till now, you know what happens. You could, you could watch the episodes and fast forward. I just don't have the time for it. Well, that's Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right, so I finally finished reading the Southern Reach trilogy. And as we were talking about before with endings, there's a reason I asked that because and, – and we were talking about it before when, we talked, when I talked about Southern Reach trilogy. I felt like I was halfway through the second book and I felt like this thing is going in a direction where it's just going to end and I'm going to have no idea whatsoever what happened. And sure enough, I reached the end of the third book and I have no idea what <laughs> this thing is. I have no idea what happened really. I have an idea of what happened. And it's like as much as I want to be the guy who's like – intrigued by the unknown, right? Like, there's two characters in the book. Two main characters. One from the first book, the and then one from the second book. And the character in the first book, the biologist, she's, like, complacent in what she is. She doesn't care what Area X is or where it came from as much as she cares about being in it and studying what's around her. And then there's a character in book two, Control, who his entire job and his entire task is to figure out what Area X is, where it came from, what its purpose, right? And as much as I want to be the biologist sitting in Area X and only concerning myself with the beauty of what's around me, I am Control, and I want to know what this stupid thing is. I want to know what its purpose is. I want to know why it's there, where it came from. And it's ultimately frustrating. Like, the first book was good. The second book was better at the end. It, it had a slow start for me. But it was by the end, it was pretty good and compelling. And the third book is, is actually – I actually liked all three books. The third book is good – because it – so the first book is all in the biologist perspective, first-person perspective. The second book is all third-person perspective, but it's all control, right? It's all the director. The last book is multiple – it's Game of Thrones style, right? It's multiple perspectives from multiple characters throughout the entire first two books. And it's now going back in and filling in blanks. But it's only filling in blanks from the first two books, it's not filling in blanks from the history of Area X, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you never know what it is or where it came from, which, you know, ultimately, that's not the point, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I want to know what it is. And it's like, I, I get the unknown as, like, a literary effect or whatever. But ultimately, like, the unknown is it's unsatisfying, right? It's never, like... It's interesting, but it's not like you'd want to visit there, you don't want to live there. It's just like like the the saying is death is the ultimate unknown, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's not the ultimate unknown because people don't know what it is. It's the ultimate unknown because people want to know what it is, right? I feel like that's a big difference. Okay. Like if you were just to if to if if I were suggesting you, hey, read this thing, there's no solution to it, you'll never have a solution to it ever, would you then want to read that thing? I mean, it uh, it depends. And it's not like it's not like City of Glass or even It Follows, 
where it's like, here's this unknown force and there is enough in the movie or in the book for you to then formulate your own ideas of what this unknown force is. It is just a straight up unknown force. And there were passages in these books where I had literally no idea what I was reading. I didn't know what he was describing. I could not imagine it in my head. It made no sense to me. I, I knew the words. I understood the words. But the way he put them together and what they were describing, it just was like, and I guess that's a f- accomplishment in and of itself. But it just was <laughs> like. You used English to make incoherent. Yeah. It just was like. Images. I, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm frustrated by is that it doesn't give you enough to at least start to figure out what this thing could be. You know what I mean? But the one thing I will say, this is the last thing I'll say about it. As a as a premise, I think the premise is really interesting. And the premise of Area X to me is it's it's not a it's not a global warming book, right? It kind of feels like this is it's so obvious of a metaphor that it's not going that the book doesn't spend any time on it. You know what I mean? But the premise of Area X that I took away is basically that it's it's kind of the idea of of the of the first human, right? Or of the first humans and the way that we have shown up on this planet when at some point we didn't exist, right? It was just the planet. And we have then manipulated the planet to us and we have changed it in ways it was never meant to be changed and it's been changed in ways that it wouldn't have never changed naturally, right? And Instead of that, the Mount Rushmore could have happened. <laughs> right. Instead of that, the plants are the humans, right? So Area X shows up, and it is this pristine wilderness. Everything is perfect. And every human that enters it then gets transformed into the wilderness in a way that is completely unnatural. So that was interesting. But on top of that, you have <laughs> this glowing transparent creature that writes in living organisms that does something with an original person and then turns them into a clone and then the clones go back to regular earth and it's just so like (laughs) i just don't it was i don't know like i said as much as i want to be like the high-minded guy right i'm too much of the just like just give me something Give me something. Meat and potatoes. Yeah. Do Do you think it would have worked better as a graphic novel? Sure. I mean, it's being made into a movie. Is it because Because I feel like with stuff like that, if you're given images to go yeah. along with, I feel like you can get away with some of those narratives that kind of maybe don't lead anywhere. Yeah. Because you're you're being given great visuals along the way. Yeah, I think as a graphic novel, it could have been really great. As I have no idea how it's going to work as a movie, especially considering there's no, like, there is no conclusion. The conclusion is a, is a person-to-person emotional conclusion that literally has nothing to do with the mystery of Area X. So you get Nick Pizzolatto to write the ending <laughs> and actually put... Put an ending on there. Right. Uh, reunite him with Kerry Fukunaga, who can pull off the visuals. Right. Boom. It's True not Detective. A, not a bad a calling card. Right. True Detective season three. Southern Reach. Right. Could happen. Um. All right. Now, do you want to hear about what I've been? Yeah. What did you read? You, you read. Um, oh, you read Sex Criminals. Pervert. (laughs) (laughs) I actually uh, got up the um, got the nerve to purchase Mm -hmm. um, said graphic novel, which is highly regarded. A lot of people really like it. Highly regarded, regarded from uh, the seller as well when I when I bought it, and it's just about um, a woman who, when she. Orgasms can freeze time, <laughs> uh-huh. and they rob bank. She robs banks, right, with this guy. 
and um, <laughs> and it's actually actually it's it is really good. And is it? Yeah. Despite the opening, you told me the opening was a little rough. Well, I told you that the dedication or whatever oh, at the that's beginning right, that's right. was was rough. Because I feel like when you're dealing with stuff like this, you have to be self-aware as a writer. And that's part of the problem because you have to get over the, we know what we're writing, you know, kind of stuff where they, I feel like they feel compelled to, you know, and everything they can do leading up to you reading it lets you know, like, mm-hmm. we're in on it too. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to do something different, mm-hmm. which I kind of feel like, like the Ant-Man trailer. Like the Ant-Man trailer. And I, I feel like saying, look, either be fully provocative and write what you want to write and just go for it. Mm-hmm. Or don't don't call it sex criminals. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and find a different name that's not so like in your face with it. Right. And then write the measured story that you wanted to about real issues, right? And um you know, issues of growing up, of learning about your sexuality, of relationships. Like, it is it is good. Mm-hmm. And it's like Saga, right? It, but Saga didn't call itself, you know, like uh, television porn <laughs> face. <laughs> the series. Right. But that, that's what I was going to bring up. I was going to bring up Saga, actually, because I feel like the premise for this is... It's. It just seems too stupid, right? Like yeah. a woman who freezes time by orgasming. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Whereas yeah. you could say a lot of saga doesn't make any sense, right? But that's all visuals. Whereas the premise of saga is actually very simple. Well, yeah, and and sex criminals kind of goes back to your issue, which is, you know, either set it in a fantastical place, right, like saga, and then you can kind of get away with your narrative. Or don't put it in a legitimate world mm-hmm. and then have your answer be, uh, she freezes time when she orgasms. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Is mm-hmm. that is that kind of what you're saying? It's, it's a similar daredevil? Yeah, I think so. But when you actually watch it, watch it, read it. And you're kind of watching because you're reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of has a little more to say. It kind of makes me think it's funny that the two people who created it were guys. Because mm-hmm. it does kind of take a uniquely female perspective to everything, mm-hmm. which makes me think like, is this female perspective or is right. this just that's the, what I was gonna say? At least what you <laughs> think is a female perspective, right? Is this just the illusion? Right. I'm just I just think I'm getting a uniquely, which is one reason why I liked it follows because I felt like that did feel like uniquely female adolescent, right? Like a female adolescent experience that I was interested in because. I never had that experience. Right. Um, so this definitely kind of starts with the background of the character where they where they can kind of introduce the themes that they want to be dealing with. So they're dealing with loss. They're dealing with, you know, confusion and puberty and adolescence and, and, and all that. And then her trying to come to grips with this great kind of power that she's found. Uh, I'm about, you know, halfway through, so I haven't, gotten to the conclusion, but mm-hmm. it's probably something I definitely will want to touch base with um one more time. <laughs> and uh but you know I I, I honestly it, it, I am picking up on the deeper themes. It's it's not uh-huh. just about what they want it to sound like it's about, sure. which is again I think a disservice. It's like you so know So what's the deeper theme? Well, I can't. I can't comment fully. I can say right now it is about adolescence. It is about mm-hmm. growing up, and mm-hmm. and there are off offhanded lines which I agree with, which is you know you say the word sex, and some people kind of ugh, they immediately get nervous and awkward. It's like why, right? Mm-hmm. It's sex. So, I mean, how are we going to educate and learn more without people just being comfortable saying words like orgasm mm-hmm. or sex? You mm-hmm. know. And it's like, yeah, with your wife here, I'm like, I can't <laughs> say, but it's like, you know, we're all adults, right? Mm-hmm. This is part of life. Like, why do we respond this way? Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of like it on that level too, where it is kind of, you know, pushing your buttons and kind of saying like, 
what are we really talking about here? Are we really talking about pornography? Or are mm-hmm. we talking about real sexuality? Or are we talking about being comfortable buying a graphic novel called Sex Criminals with your six-year-old at your side? <laughs> he was not at my side, but the, but the comic that I bought him was on top of it. <laughs> yeah. So she had to remove the, the Hulk Avengers <laughs> issue and then see Sex Criminals right underneath. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it, right? Uh, We'll talk about... uh, In our recommendations, we'll talk about... uh, What was that game? I recommend something for you. It's called the... It was called Freshman Year. Freshman Year, yeah. So we'll we'll take a break, and we will come back with next next week's recommendation and... uh, In our awkward sign-off. Yeah. All right, so last week I recommended that you, uh, speaking of sex criminals, played a game <laughs> called Freshman Year. Right. Which I think game is a very loose term, but it's like a five-minute, it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure five-minute like web thing that you click on, right? And it's about a girl who is a freshman in college. And she's being asked to go out to a bar with her friends. And you just click through the dialogue and the text messages. And you just kind of experience her night. Yeah. And the major sort of turning point or the sort of catalyst of the whole thing is in the middle of it, she is... uh, not to assaulted. Get, right. Assaulted. I didn't want to get into like Richard Dawkins territory and be like lightly assaulted. Right. <laughs> but she is assaulted. She's pulled into an alley and a guy tries to make out with her. Uh, and then her friend shows up and saves her. Right? Yep. So what did you what did you think of it? Uh I thought it was great. Um number one, I think it's I think it's great because it's somebody's perspective and experience and it really does come through uh in the text that you see and just what she decides to show and not show you it really does kind of put you in her place and you can see how something like this can happen yeah and how it can build yeah um and how threatening it can feel right and uh just to be kind of engaged with in a specific way and uh, I think it's something that, you know, I work at a, at a university and it's a huge issue, sexual right. assault on college campuses. And I, I have felt, you know, very empathetic when talking to some students and this game, I think kind of helped me realize what, what they could be experiencing and how, how, it could feel violating yet at the same time normal, mm-hmm. which I think is what was interesting because in the end her friend comes and pulls her away. And then as they're walking away, she's like, Oh yeah, she, you know, he did that with this other girl yeah. mm-hmm. and she just kind of went along with He's it. He's kind of known for it. He's known for it. Right. And so you feel like after this, you know, she is kind of expected to just be like, Okay, at least right. I didn't get confused and go all the way with him. Right. When in reality, you should be like, that should never happen. And uh, and that's how it left me. And I thought I thought it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, what was most affecting for me was the actual mechanics of it. So it's, like I said, it's like five minutes long, and it's just, you're you're literally right into it, and you're just clicking through dialogue options, and... Then kind of out of nowhere, you feel a little bit like, or at least this is how it was for me, you feel it's building a little bit towards something, but then out of nowhere, this assault just starts happening, and all of a sudden, you lose control. Like, obviously, the character loses control, but you as the player lose control, and you can no longer click on anything, and you're just watching these scenes play out. And to me, that was the most 
I guess that I think that is the one. You know, as a white male, I can never experience the pressures of being a young female, right? Or what that sort of sense of like looming creeperism can feel like. You know what I mean? Right. And I feel like that that was a good as someone who's played games his whole life and is used to controlling things on the screen and like to have that control and being able to make those decisions. I found that was a really effective way to translate that experience to me. And even the second time when I played through and I kind of knew it was coming, although I also kind of thought like maybe I can avoid this if I make the right decisions, which you can't. Right. Um, I still, I still felt it the second time and it was just kind of like, ah man, I don't want to go through this again. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So that's why I recommended it. I thought it was, I thought it was really worth checking out. Yeah. And I think, I think the fact that nothing you do changes the end result is, is its obvious point. But I think also, yeah, that feeling of saying like, I don't want to do this again. Like, why would she want to go out again? Mm -hmm. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And so you, you have to change your, I mean, imagine changing your, you know, kind of habits or desires around this fear of being like, is X going to be there? Right. Because it's not just that guy, right? That's the other thing too. It's like with sexual assault, it's so pervasive. It's not just one person they have to look out well, for. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. She doesn't even know that that guy is that guy until afterwards when her right. friend is like, oh yeah, that's that guy. Right. And so you think like, ugh, like imagine going to like large parties and being like, oh, by the way, you know, if a guy comes up <laughs> and he's holding a red drink, don't drink it. Right. He's known to be the, right. uh, the roofie guy, the roofie. Right. Yeah. All right. So that was a uh, freshman year. Just Google freshman year game and you'll be able to find it. So what's your uh, recommendation? So well, I'm going to recommend um, a game as well to you. And you can get it on your phone. Okay. Um, if you want. It is called 80 Days. Okay. Have you heard about it? I played a little bit of it. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know you played it. I have a, I have a second recommendation. Okay. Um, I can play more. I only played it for like... It's the it's a story game, right? Right. Where you're going around the world or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Around the world in 80 days based on Jules Verne. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started it a little bit and am intrigued. Okay. Um, were you not as intrigued in your I just gameplay? stopped playing it. But we can <coughs> check it out for a week and then see where we're at. Yeah. It was either that or a game called Thomas is Alone. That's a mobile game too, right? Yeah. They're both mobile games. Uh, why don't we stick with 80 days? Yeah, I'll do 80 days. Okay. All right. So, uh, 80 days. In the the next seven days. (laughs) We'll try. All right. So that's the show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. First of all, you can go to the website that the show is hosted on called Mm -hmm. Brown Blue White. Uh, dot com, which you will find pretty much nothing but the show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for any information on the music used in the show, you can check out the show notes. Uh, You can email me. My email will be in the show notes. If you're in a rage or in some sort of way about my feelings on comic book characters and comic book superheroes, uh, you don't need to email me about that because (laughs) I already know that those feelings are unpopular and probably somewhat irrational. But if you, (laughs) if you're still upset about his beer theory, (laughs) email away. Yeah. And, uh, if you're interested in my calendar theory, which I still think is a pretty good theory, I can send you a spreadsheet. Uh, and, and with the calendar theory, you know, I, I think there might be some concern over like, you know what are the days going to look like because obviously you can't just like shorten the rotation of the earth around the sun right but i think it might be kind of neat to have like your monday is a normal day but then by like sunday like half the day is 
bright and half the day is nighttime. <laughs> right? That could be kind of cool. Like, I'm willing to give that up for four days off. Uh, anyways, <laughs> my email will be in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm at Things Come Right. And that's it. Until uh, we'll be back next week.